Hello everyone. This video is really the piece de resistance to the chakra series, so you'll see it on the playlist there. I've been really excited to share this one because not enough people teach it, really, and it is the core practice, the most powerful key and foundation in awakening kundalini and consciousness, and because of that, it's so difficult to teach, but here I am anyway on camera because I really want you to connect with what I'm saying here. It is known as White Tantra or also Alchemy, Kareza, Sahaja Maithuna, Chast Sex, Coitus Reservatus, Suprasexuality, Karma Mudra, Sexual Magic, and many other names. This is not new information, this is ancient sacred sexuality that is completely discoverable for each one of us. Now, keep in mind, this is not something you can understand intellectually. We're talking about a dimension of life that is sexual. The mind cannot understand it, but let's give it a go and see uh, what we can find out together. I'm going to give you what is the benefits, why we do it, and then end with how to do it. Then future episodes on this topic can then be based on what you all most found difficult or confusing about it. Uh, so feel free to ask questions below after you've listened to the whole thing as I try to cover all bases and also answer a few questions, uh, the most common questions that I had in the sexual transmutation video. So, this practice is totally radical and revolutionary and nothing short of divine and magical. It will destroy everything that you think you know about sex. Truly, the way we approach sex in today's society is totally backwards and unconscious. It just, it doesn't make sense the way we approach it when you really understand this teaching uh, in this video. As always, don't just believe what I say, try it out in your own life and see the difference and the positive impact it makes on your own life. This was something I personally struggled with for years too, but with progress it made a world of difference and I can totally um, tell you that it will change your life. I 100% would not be on YouTube teaching a lot of people if I didn't practice this, really. Now, so, you know, if I were more expressive I would just dance and shout and tell you how amazing it is, uh, because I cannot stress enough how this teaching of White Tantra is the solution to everything. It will just balance the world if everyone practiced it. Um, you might be saying, okay, Gene, calm down, it can't be the solution to everything. Well, try it out for yourself and see how it will change every single dimension of your life, because this is a new sort of sexuality that it changes you, it refines and molds you and improves you. It improves your mood, health, intellect, relationships, work, deeper meditation, 
astral projection, consciousness will awaken very fast and one's life will change very fast. So let me give you the most basic instruction for this practice and if you've never heard of this or you're new to this channel, when you hear it, for most people it will spark an ego shock in you. So observe how the ego will immediately react and dismiss it and say it's wrong. Then as we continue, uh, we'll look deeper at it to try to actually understand it. So as explained in my chakra series, sexual energy is kundalini energy. It is the divine Devi kundalini serpent mother, right? If you short-circuit that energy, if you spill it through orgasm, you lose it. Actually, Alan Watts said it just like that. Uh, if you're interested in uh, listening to him, because I know so many on YouTube love that philosopher. Sexual energy is the kundalini, is the serpent power, is the divine power. If you dissipate it, in orgasm, you'll lose it. If you conserve it, you raise the power, raise the orgiastic feeling, but don't have orgasm. Instead, direct the sexual energy up the spine into the head, you'll get illumination. And many tantrics practice this way. They use the intense fascination of sexual arousal to be the instrument, the incentive for intense concentration. The link for the full talk, as well as many other great resources and books and videos I highly recommend watching will be in the description below. And if you're feeling very skeptical already and you're already reacting and there's a lot of internal conflict, uh, I suggest watching the video on the screen now. It's in the description below. It's an interview with someone called Marnia Robinsons. Uh, she wrote a book called Cupid's poisoned arrow. She goes fantastically into a very modern take and scientific take on why this practice is the only thing that can heal a couple, with a lot of science and research backed up on it. Um, for example, there was a brain scan done on people experiencing orgasm, and they found that the brain activity showed basically the same results as someone taking heroin. And she goes into how our brain chemistry can take weeks to recover from that and start to be able to focus again on bonding with our partner properly. So if you're interested in that science, go and watch that because, as you know, I like to be direct practical, and we want gnosis in everything we study, right? Speculative thinking has very little use in practice. We want to understand this for ourselves. So, that is the most basic description of this practice. Sex without orgasm. You're probably thinking, that sounds boring, right? No quite the opposite, and when you understand this, you'll eventually find orgasms are actually the boring thing in sex. But for now, let me back up a little bit. I know most of you understand sexual transmutation from my videos, right? Meaning, to retain our sexual energy as a single person, and never losing it, right? But, 
does sexual transmutation mean we just like completely ignore our sexual energy? Always just doing pranayama, meditating, renouncing masturbation, etc. Does that practice imply we don't use our sexuality? No. Remember that sexual energy is not something wrong or sinful. It is a gift from nature, from literally mother nature. The problem is we are, we are taking all of that energy and expelling it. Or maybe you're good at transmuting your energy as a single person, but you're not really using that energy, that electricity, to its full potential. If you really want to transmute and harness sexual energy, you need alchemy, this practice of white tantra. So this is the most powerful way to transmute sexual energy, because as you know, if you've been trying to transmute your sexual energy, it's not easy, right? Why? Because sexual energy is a tremendously powerful force, so we need something even more powerful, and there is only one force that can control it properly, which are the forces of union and love. Not earthly love, but a sort of transcendental divine love. So, pranayama and practicing sexual transmutation as a single person is actually just a preparation for sexual magic in union with a partner. Now, stay with me. Let's back up even more for a moment. Remember, we as human beings, like all living beings in the physical world, animals, plants, etc., are all one side of a magnetic polarity. We are either all born either a woman or a man. Forget about other sexualities, that's a discussion for another time, but purely physically and biologically we are all either a man or a woman, with either a penis or a vagina, a lingam or a yoni, yin or yang, right? This is important to understand on a bioelectrical magnetic level. Men are positively charged and women are negatively charged. That doesn't mean they're bad, right? It's just electricity. Now, what happens when the positive vertical is combined with the negative horizontal? Energy is created. We have the cross. So look at any a battery or light bulb, it needs the positive and the negative charge to create light. Energy flows through the currents and there is light, right? Now what happens if there is too much unstable energy, like flowing through the currents? Orgasm happens, the electricity explodes, then there is no more light, there is no more energy no more attraction between the male and female currents. Darkness arises, and to put it in human terms, troubles start happening in paradise. So more on this as we continue. So what are the main factors that make our sexual organ orgasm and explode and lose its vitality? In a simple explanation, it is passion and lust. Without those things, you will never experience orgasm. 
We can also say another reason for it is pleasure. Now, don't misunderstand. Sex is 100% a complete right for all of us to enjoy deeply and pleasurably. But attachment and identification to that pleasure or greed for that pleasure, always wanting more of it, is what creates this passion. So this teaching shows us how to actually enjoy sex in its fullness and in its purity without clinging to it or adulterating it. So in normal goal-orientated sex, having orgasms all the time only fuels more passion and instead of satisfaction, there is depletion. This is why in French the euphemism for orgasm is la petite mort, which means little death. And as you know, or after orgasm, you just go to sleep disinterestedly like you're dead, right? For even forgetting to tell your partner you love them or give them a kiss goodnight, right? So what are we making? Love or death? This doesn't mean egoic death, right? It doesn't mean the death of the ego, it means death of consciousness. So, if I say to you that love is not pleasure, love is not desire, love is not passion, and love is definitely not lust, then what is love? The fact that we don't know how to answer that question really shows what kind of state we're in. What is love? You, most people would like to say desire, sexual attraction, right? The mind always wants to classify it and it wants to say that love is this or that. It wants to think it knows what love is, but the mind, it, it cannot know what love is. Love is not a thought. It's not a definition of words. It is action. It is fire in the heart from moment to moment, an unceasing flame that never goes out. On the other hand, orgasm, it's a ceasing of consciousness. A little death, la petite mort. You know, there's a study somewhere around, uh, I'll put it in the video description. It says that around 70% of children have seen pornography by the age of 12. And it's painful to think that this is where we get our education from regarding sexual energy most of us, right? We become adults by adulterating ourselves and losing our innocence in the process. The practice I'm showing you here is the way to heal back through the mistakes we made with sexual energy. And amongst the many things uh, we didn't learn as well in society is that marriage or the idea of it or the reality of it is not a piece of paper. Marriage is sex. Forget about societal structures of law. That is superficial understanding of life. Marriage is sex. The ritual of sex 
is a consummation of divine law, karma, through the sexual union of a couple. In its purity, it is sacred. And we struggle to see it as sacred because of our conditioning. So for all of you brothers out there who have casual girlfriends thinking, oh, maybe I'll make her my wife one day. <laughs> Listen, she is already your wife if you're having sex with her. And for women who have a casual man, he is your husband. On the spiritual plane, he is your husband. And this can also be seen in the astral as well. And hey, maybe you have many wives and many husbands. I don't know. I'm not judging you. But on that note, this practice does not work with multiple partners. So you can only have one person to practice this with. And that should go without saying. So I'm making the point that sex is not a toy. There are energies involved that you're unaware of. Union means two become one, right? Two people have their own energetic electrical makeup of karma and the ego. And so two through sex become one. Just as when two magnets have their own energy field, when they are combined, they have one energy field. So choose your partner wisely. And you might say, wait, I don't want to mix my karma and egos with other people. Well, this is the point of sexual alchemy. This sacred approach to sex without orgasm and raising the kundalini fires to the heart and brain for illumination is what will burn each other's karma and help you both to expand through the love that is made. That's why it's called lovemaking. Real love, not animal love. We're not meant to be on the level of the animal kingdom. We are supposed to be on the human kingdom, made in the image of God and to also experience this divine aspect of sex in this way. So in this way of two becoming one, this is how sex is religion and how religion happens in our life. Sex is the most purest form of religion and yoga. Religion derives from the word religari, which means to bind together, and yoga means union. This is why Master Samael wrote a book called Why Religion and Sex Are Inseparable. So this is also why it is called alchemy an alchemical marriage. Most people, most couples are not married in this way. Most couples can be married on different planes of existence, but not alchemi alchemically. Uh, they can be married financially or just intellectually or emotionally, but rare are those couples who marry in true sexual alchemical union. And it is in this mix of alchemical and masculine and feminine forces that awakens the sacred fires of love which dissolve our egos. So those two magnets unite to create a more powerful charge, a more powerful magnetism of energy which is then directed towards your own awakening. So as I said, 
the couple is one, right? But what happens when the couple experiences orgasm? Then they go back to their darkness. They separate. They cannot make love for a period of time, even if they wanted to. Because, well, in those moments, they are not on a sexual level, they aren't attracted to each other anymore. The chemicals in the brain, body, heart, mind, they've been lost. The magnets have uh, inverted, they repel. Uh, you fellow men know this all very well, uh, that when you ejaculate, you are no longer attracted or interested in your partner, in your woman, right? We just stereotypically turn over and sleep, right? As depicted in many movies and stories. This is the same for women too, but for various reasons, uh, it's usually a little harder for women to notice how their orgasm affects their relationship. I would say it usually manifests more as irritation with her husband, insecurities, neediness, dissatisfaction, things like that. Whereas for the man, it's just like, he doesn't care anymore, right? Uh, the scientific video I mentioned at the start of this video goes into how orgasm creates these animal hormones in our brain that basically tell us to like not like our partner anymore. Anyway, so maybe you can already start to intuit that when we take up this alchemical practice with our partner, that actually Lovemaking never ceases, even after the sexual act. So, what do I mean? Well, the basic outline for this practice is you come together, you have sex, and then you finish without orgasm. So, the attraction, the love, the eroticism is still there. The word erotic comes from the Greek word eros, which also means cupid. So cupid still exists in the couple after sex if orgasm is avoided. And there is a, a vibrant uh, aura that can be seen in the couple. And this is wonderful because in a way the couple is still in a deep loving connection with each other after sex. So even though the sexual energy is not being stimulated in the sexual organs anymore, the purity of the energy can still be enjoyed by other means, such as holding hands, looking at each other in the eyes, having fun with each other, uh, having long conversations. It's all deepened. Affections, touches, kisses, dancing, laughing, right? Romantic things. All of the mundane things become more fulfilling again, just as they were in the beginning of your relationship. So when you experience this for yourself, you will say, wow, for once in my life, I have found contentment and happiness in my marriage. You see, what we call the honeymoon period should never end. Think about your first love, or your first kiss, and how you felt an explosion of love and light in your body, your heart beating and a warmth in your body, and a type of bliss that changed your whole world. 
This is not some teenage naivety. That is love. That is the magic of Cupid, of Eros, where everything in the world is perfect because you are in love. We should never have to lose that feeling. But we do. Why? Well, as you know now, the answer is in this abusing or abused hardwiring of our sexual energies through orgasm again and again until problems happen in the relationship. Arguments, frictions, just feeling off with your partner and you don't know why, right? And just not really understanding each other because orgasm creates this sort of desynchronization in the couple. The connection of electricity is lost, as we saw in the light bulb. But if the couple avoids the explosion of the light bulb and keeps the fire of Eros burning within them, then this creates a tremendous amount of light, harmony, and beauty in the couple's lives. So this is all wonderful, right? And just before I start going into the details of this practice, let's just meditate for a second on what happens if this energy becomes too lustful, too out of control, all of this passion. In those people who become really addicted to uh, and possessed by lust, in those people, only desperation for more sex and more lust and all of that only happens. And the animal passions look to more extremes to satisfy its desires. This can manifest in many ways. First, lightly, as maybe things like whipping, shaming, choking, fetishes, things like that. But at worst, a person can devolve into sexual criminals of society. Cheaters, prostitutes, rapists, paedophiles, things like that. Now, we are not judging these people, okay? We are seeking to understand how this manifests. Remember, it is not sex itself that is sinful. Sex is pure and divine, but it's the way we pervert its energy which is the mistake. And of course, I'm not saying that any of you will turn into some sexual criminal. What I'm saying is that everyone externally in the world is ultimately a reflection of ourselves. And we have to acknowledge that there's at least the potentiality to devolve and degenerate sexually if we are not taught how to properly handle and if we're not guided on how to sanctify and purify this energy and enjoy it in a conscious way. So that's a core teaching here. Out of control passion is destructive. It's completely destructive. That is why it is the main teaching in Christianity, in Buddhism, Hinduism, you will see everything is at the foundation is about passion and desire. Now, so the aim of Tantra is to kill passion. Sex is a double-edged sword. It can be used to 
aggravate and create more ego and more desire, or it can be used to disintegrate ego. In esoteric terms, it can either make us or turn us into demons or into angels on the spiritual plane. So, with that, let's go deeper into the practice. Now, usually in normal sex, we go into it with a lot of passion. There's passion throughout, and it ends with passion. And generally, a lack of mindfulness, intimacy, gentleness, and love. It is just quick, and we just discharge the energy, and it ends. In tantric alchemy, it is slow, tender, caressing, kisses, sweet words, things like that. It is not violent, it is not aggressive, it's gentle. And if you progress properly, you will want gentle, because just by weeks of practice with this, you will become so sensitive to sexual energy that you won't need any of the old animalistic ways of stimulating your energy anymore. You won't need porn, you won't need sex toys, you won't need uh, dirty talking, no fantasies, etc. Things like that. Simply by being in basic physical presence with your partner will create intense erotic fires of love within you both. It's just, it's very simple and it's beautiful. No need to try and always be sexy for your partner, dressing up for him or her, trying new things in the bedroom to spice up the relationship, right? None of that is needed when the fires are already there, ready to go. Wonderful, right? And in this practice, the couple can actually reach heights of so much enjoyment that they can just become completely still in sex, just raptured in ecstasy, lost in this God-level type of new consciousness, shared consciousness, where they just go beyond themselves in a sort of androgynous alchemical fusion. It is very beautiful and nothing lustful or passionate about it. Really, it can be likened to samadhi, the Buddha-level type of bliss that all meditators are striving towards, and many Gnostics, Buddhists, uh, tantric yogic Buddhists, uh, you can look into karma mudra, uh, and other types of teachers, they'll all say that the type of ecstasy in tantric union is the same as samadhi. So even if you're new to meditation, practicing alchemy will naturally teach you how to meditate. You will instinctively feel it because the foundation of meditation is to overcome desire, and there's no bigger desire than found in the, uh, the energies of sex. So, to control yourself on this level, on this primal level, is to learn naturally how to actually control your whole human machine a lot easier, intellectually, emotionally, instinctively, everything, because sex is the foundation to it all. So, and this is great, right? 
transcendental, revolutionary, as I said. So, here's how to practice it. Firstly, the couple should both feel they want to come together. Uh, this should feel natural to both, okay? Uh, to do the romantic things, right? To court, right? To kiss, to hold each other, to embrace each other in an, a natural erotic love and attraction. Then, when they engage in sex, when the lingam and yoni are united, the penis and the vagina, they should then be mindful of the energies that they begin to feel, that they don't overexcite the passions. And in a slow and mindful way, the sexual energies are stimulated in a steady and gentle way. And then, when the fires have grown and there are a lot of erotic energies happening, uh, you have to be very careful not to become so passionate and climax, right? And when there is this great heightening of energy, the movements should be slowed down. And at this point, there should be a, a huge erotic energy in the couple, okay? This is a natural energy that you can feel throughout the body, an electricity. Now, this union can last for very long, and there's not really much detail that I can go into other than the fact that the couple enjoys this sexual state for as long as they like. Uh, there will probably be the temptation at times to fall into orgasm. It's just like meditation. You stay in the bliss, a thought comes in, and you, you treat it like meditation, right? You don't um, succumb to those thoughts and follow it right? In the same way, you don't follow those feelings of orgasm. So you just wait, you be patient, uh, and you will feel uh, fine eventually. And if you don't identify with physical sensations and work against your passions, then you will overcome those sensations. Uh, and then you will feel Instead, because of your efforts, the fires of kundalini raising to the heart, to the head, and filling you with what can only be described as light and healing energy. For this, you just, you have to have an empty mind in the practice and an open heart. It is a powerful tantric meditation and the greater you can elevate your state of consciousness while in the sexual act, the more effective the transmutation of energy will be. Meaning, the energies are satisfied, transmuted, by going inwards and upwards, right? Because we don't want the energy staying there uh, in the sexual organs, right? Usually in normal sex. Uh, the energies throughout sex stay in the organs, they, and eventually it's like a balloon just swelling and then popping. So there's a pressure there. Through Tantra, we learn how to relieve it, not by popping the balloon, but by the energies going inwards and upwards. And you don't need to so much feel or force that. It's more about focusing on these feelings of love and overcoming passions. And the sexual tension, then, is relieved in that way. 
inwards and upwards instead of downwards and outwards, okay? And yes, so it goes naturally from the sexual organs to the heart and the brain and the rest of the body and the whole energy field, really. After some time, the couple should then go even slower and eventually just stop moving and just enjoy each other in some stillness, uh, some natural intimacy, and then slowly withdraw the lingam from the yoni without any orgasm or ejaculation. This marks a successful practice of sexual alchemy. Of course, it doesn't have to be exactly like that. Don't follow exactly what I'm saying. Follow your heart, follow the moment. It, 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 is a, it is an innocent dance with your partner, right? It doesn't have to be exactly like that. I'm just crudely describing it. Now, you will both afterwards feel extremely wonderful, satisfied, fulfilled, happy. Notice your heart, your head, your entire body and the relationship with your partner will be good, a lot of good energy. Um, but if you are still feeling very passionate, well, I would say the union wasn't the most successful it could have been. As I said, you should generally feel satisfied. Uh, actually, even during sex, the man may also lose his erection, naturally. And this is his body's way of telling him that, you know, you're finished. So this all comes with practice. Remember, we are trying to rewire our body's chemistry after years of addiction to these orgasmic spasms in the nervous system, which are akin to taking heroin, as I mentioned earlier. So it's not just orgasm you want to stay in front of, but also to avoid these spasms that are felt, which lead up to it. Uh, if you can sense that coming, then you'll be better equipped to stay ahead of the, the actual orgasm and be able to actually master this energy on a more sensitive level. So don't worry, it comes with time and practice. And so yes, if you're still feeling very lustful after sex, then you should maybe go to another room or you can do it together. You should do a deep breathing practice, inhaling deeply up to 30 seconds, retaining up to 30 seconds and exhaling up to 30 seconds and repeat. Uh, I recommend the Hamsa practice as I taught in the first transmutation video. So just to quickly describe it here, all you do is mentally pronounce ham as you inhale and then exhale with sa. So sa, sa, sa. Repeat until you really start to feel all this energy moving in your body and then you will be relieved. Uh, that will give you the force to get this energy moving inwards and upwards and you, you will really feel uh, a relief from that excess energy. Just doing it three times just then I have a... I feel more uh, clear mentally. <clears throat> so now as you progress with this practice, 
and keep having sex in this way, there will always be new energies between you and your partner. It never gets boring and monotonous and mechanical. You're not doing the same thing every time because there's new energies and new realms and heights of union. And it's really helpful to support each other throughout this uh, because you don't want to experience orgasm. Uh, otherwise, you just lose all of that energy that you've been cultivating together. So, white tantra means, esoterically, to become a white magician, one who never orgasms and always kills animal passion. Black tantra is where people orgasm and love animal passion. So most of us begin as uh, sort of black magicians and then we become grey magicians because sometimes falling, right? Because we're struggling uh, with this rewiring of the energy and then eventually we become white magicians uh, when we start to become proficient with handling the energies. I don't know, maybe you'll master it very quickly but I can't say it's easy. It takes practice uh, but it is totally worth it and and fun, right? Better than normal sex. So to continue and expand on some uh, important points and rules, here's one rule for this practice. It's called the magnetic pause. And this means that when we practice white tantra with our partner, we should not have sex again within 24 hours. So you have to leave at least 24 hours to pass before the couple comes together again. And on top of that, we shouldn't say like, okay, 24 hours has passed, we have to do it again. No, just we have to learn to wait for the appropriate moment, the romantic and erotic moment between the couple. Um, we should not force sex if we are not feeling it. That goes against our nature. And we shouldn't do it if our partner isn't feeling it either. Uh, maybe they're very tired, whatever. So just wait, the time will come. Remember that if you're feeling lustful, pranayama breathing practices can be done as much as you want to transmute those excess energies. But also, it's about balance, because we should not go too long without practicing it. So as a general rule, one or two months would be too long. So when we're practicing transmutation as a single person, we have like a candle flame of consciousness, okay? But in comparison to a couple practicing alchemy, we create an entire sun in comparison. So going too long without the practice means our sun starts to shrink again and we lose that light. So it's a fire that we should always tend to if we want to keep progressing with this. Also, a clarification about something. Some people say about reaching some kind of non-ejaculatory orgasm. And I want to clarify this because I had a lot of questions about it on my transmutation video. Alchemy is not about chasing any kind of pleasure. You don't need to chase it. It is the renunciation of pleasure to only experience that which is called love. And that is it. It is not orgasm in any sense. 
it does become extremely pleasurable and blissful and ecstatic, more than anything you could imagine from lustful pleasure. But it is not anything like ejaculation or orgasm. So those words really should not be used. Orgasm and ejaculation are physical sensations. Tantra is enjoyed on a spiritual level. So attachment to sensory pleasure is something that needs to be worked against within the practice. So actually, when we engage in sex, there's like an enemy that appears. It is the bull. The bull is the symbol of our passions. This is why in Spain and other traditions, there is the symbol of killing the bull. Obviously, I'm against that activity, but it's profound to understand the esoteric meaning of that. It means the ability to kill our passions. So the point is, you'll find in the practice with alchemy, with a partner, there's never any need to chase after pleasure because it happens naturally. The bull comes charging, right? We do not need lust to engage in sex. A few more points. Prayer and mantras can also be used during alchemy to help you. Uh, there are many mantras. A powerful one in the Gnostic teachings is E-A-O, spelt I-A-O. Uh, it can be done mentally or vocally. So it goes E A O. You can do breaths in between or not. As a brief description, these sounds represent the elements of God. I stands for ignis in Latin, fire. Uh, A stands for aqua, water. And O stands for origo, the source of spirit. Another point is don't wash your hands or have a shower at least one or two hours after sex. This is because the energies are still settling into the physical system and you should wait uh, just a little bit for it to integrate. Otherwise, it will basically uh, short circuit the energy and you won't make the most of it. So just relax a bit and, and wait. Another important point is all forms of contraception should not be used. Condoms, the pill, uh, is it called the coil? Things like that. Those things are against our nature and disrupt the energies. And no, you will not have a baby from this if practiced properly. As the man, if you think you're coming anywhere near orgasm, then you should immediately withdraw, squeeze your pelvic muscle tightly and do a breathing practice and you'll be fine. But honestly, if you practice tenaciously, you will easily not come anywhere near orgasm, okay? So why Tantra is the only natural contraception there is. I've been practicing for years, no baby. I have friends who have been practicing for years, no babies. All Gnostic couples practice this, no babies, no unwanted babies. So there is a way to have a baby through alchemy without any orgasm or ejaculation because it only requires one sperm for the egg. 
no need to release millions. This is a very sacred practice and goes into immaculate conception and bringing in a soul to this world who is of a higher consciousness. And also another point, reflect on how men stereotypically finish first, right? Well, actually, if in a couple where only the man practices alchemy, then that man will experience the other side of that coin. The woman will orgasm, and he's left still wanting to make love, uh, but she's finished. So this is why it's also important to have a mature discussion with your partner before you practice, because your partner may feel he or she needs to satisfy you, and his or her idea of satisfying you is based on the normal animalistic understanding of sex, and well, that's not going to help you, is it? So I've left very good videos in the description below, you can watch them together, you can watch this one, and just start discussing it together, right? As couples should. Um, and on that note, just some words of wisdom from my experience in helping couples with this. If you genuinely want to do something that means something to you, but your partner is not even willing to listen to you or try something with you, well, I wouldn't say really there's as much love as you might think there, right? Now, I'm not saying that, um, you know, you should force your partner. You sh We cannot force our partners to do anything, okay? It's totally up to them. So yes, you can practice this uh, by yourself, but I do think that, and from my experience, you should talk to your partner because, um, as I said, they're going to try and satisfy you in these other ways, and they really need to understand the mechanics of of this practice to help you, to support you, right? So, so some couples will have to work harder at their relationship in this than others. Some couples find out about this and love it immediately and just do it. Great, you know, but others have a harder time. Um, as Master Samael says, blessed are those who know how to love, because very few people actually know how to love, or even know what love is. Most of us like to think we know what love is. I know a lot of people, um, and you know, who marry out of comfort, security, insecurity, lust. They marry it just out of attachment or possessiveness. So, well, you know, here's your solution, right? If you're in a position where there is no love in your relationship, well, now you know how to make love, right? And uh, that's what your relationship needs, more love, not more animalistic desires, which just creates more desires, more pain, more suffering and dissatisfaction. It needs alchemical union, which creates a real bond between the couple, a real energetic synchronization that creates light. This light, which lights up our spiritual bodies on our inner Christmas tree. So to end briefly on Kabbalah for the esoteric viewers, but I'll translate it for everyone else too, so everyone understands. I'll put the diagrams on the screen. 
The etheric vital body keeps the physical body in health through sexual energy. This etheric body is Yesod on the Tree of Life, and so Yesod is also known as the Foundation. Malkuth is the physical body, which is below Yesod. Yesod is Eden. So alchemy is to walk through, back through, this Garden of Eden and find our lost innocence. So as you can see, Malkuth, the physical, the first gateway to the heavens above is through Eden, is through Yesod, is through sex. The original sin is not sex, it is desire which led to the perversity of sex. So Eden, Yesod, is that gate of life which leads to the highest spheres and dimensions up the tree of life, up the Christ mass tree. This ascension of consciousness lights up these spheres, the first one after Yesod being Hod, which is the astral, our emotional plane. Then it lights up Netzach, the mental plane, and then it lights up Tifereth, which is the causal plane. To translate that to basic understanding, it essentially just means that if you practice alchemy and generate and transmute this sacred energy with a partner, avoiding orgasm, you will become a more whole being. Your emotions will become more balanced and empathetic and positive. Your mind and intellect will become more sharp and focused and intuitive. And You'll have more conscious willpower over yourself and your life. So, as I said at the beginning, this practice heals and balances everything. This is to drink from the original fountain of youth, to master the tree of knowledge of good and bad. It is to hold the cup of Hermes and not spill it. Okay, so I really hope I explained this well and made it easier for you to understand. If you're new to this, I know that your brain must be like struggling to conceive of the reality of this, but you just have to practice it and see it for yourself. And those couples who are having a hard time with their relationship and it's maybe the first time you're hearing this and you want to grow together spiritually or individually, uh, just try this. Help each other through it, enjoy it, nurture each other, communicate, and you'll see this. There will be an incredibly high new octave of love and consciousness and a connection that is created in your life, which is immense. There are no words for it. And it will be much easier for you, for both of you, to find your path of healing, of growth, and harmony. Okay, so, thank you everyone.
Thank you.